Hey, it's Burton Shaula. And this is Savannah Hart, and you're listening to the Black Box Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Black Box Podcast, where we dig into the unexplored world of the sports, music, and entertainment business. On today's introductory episode, we'd like to introduce ourselves to our listeners. So Burton and I are going to tell you a little bit about who we are, where we come from, and why we wanted to start this pod. So let's start with how we met. Burton, I'll kick it to you. My story is probably going to be way different than your story, but it was almost... I want to say it's over a year now. Yep. Right? And it was at the Twitter sports thing. You know, it's one of those industry events. We were sitting at a table and I was sitting with some people I knew and definitely some people I didn't know. And I guess that's the purpose of the event. And Savannah was with a mutual friend, super dope woman. And I was just starting a podcast network featuring NBA players. And I was trying to launch an industry pod and I was looking at hosts and Michelle suggested Savannah. And then the next day I spoke to Savannah on the phone and I tried to recruit her for that pod. Long story short, like most industry pods or things or projects, didn't work out. But then a couple months later, I hit Savannah up and I was like, yo, I want to do a podcast about the industry. Are you down? And I think that's my side of it. I don't even yeah. know I mean, what your side of it would be. It's pretty similar except the story of how I got there. But yes, we met at the same table. We met through Michelle, who I knew at the Nets while I was one of the team managers over there. And at the time, I was starting to dibble and dabble in the interview space. It was good food. It I'll was tell good you that. food. That's a good industry event and the when Twitter, they have good food. Yeah, and the Twitter corporate office is amazing. Yeah, it's a cool office. It's really, really cool. The only regret I had about that event, I'm glad that we got to meet, but they were giving out free t-shirts and I get a free t-shirt. You didn't get one? No, it's hard as fuck to get so, a free t-shirt. So I, I have to get a shirt because then I feel like it was worth it. Otherwise, I'm like, I agree. you know what I mean? Because you never know if you're going to use those networks or connections again. But you're always going to wear that, that shirt. Exactly. Yeah, you're always going to wear that shirt. <laughs> so, I mean, from my perspective, I think I've always wanted to do something like this. And I'm just not a blog guy. And I'm too talkative. And like something like this in the sense of what? Like sharing your opinions and thoughts or? No, like pulling back the curtain of what the industry is about how deals get done. Because I think a lot of people look at sports and entertainment as like, wow, you get to go to a basketball game or you Mm -hmm. get to be next to player X. But the reality is I look at sports. I've been in this industry for 21 years now. I look at it like there is a lot of passion to it. It's really cool to watch a sport that you care about and then know the players that are playing or know how that commercial came together. But I look at it like, I've always said this, it's like driving a Ferrari. Like everybody thinks driving a Ferrari is the greatest thing ever, but it's really fucking expensive to buy mm-hmm. a Ferrari. And then the insurance is really expensive and then the gas is different. And then when the when you get a flat tire in a Ferrari, it's not like you call AAA. You got to call the Ferrari yeah. guys and it's 6X the well, price. Well, I mean, it's, it's more money, more problems. Like, And that's in sports entertainment as a whole. Like even in the music industry too, like with the managers and the agents of like freaking Lil Wayne and whoever the fuck, it's like – you're on call 24 7 same thing with sports and a lot of the times you're like an adult babysitter but everyone thinks your job is so cool what i hope the goal or my goal is that this is a really 
honest pod. So it's not just about the negative stuff. It's not just about the positive stuff, but it's about the real stuff, right? Exactly. Like, you know, this week, last week was a huge deal for my industry where I partnered a Fortune 100 company on a social justice program. But I'll tell you, like, the money is huge. It's a seven-figure deal. It's a multi-year deal. But seeing how corporate America acts and reacts... All you're going to see are the PSAs that run during the NBA Finals. You're not going to actually see like what I had to go through, what this marketer had to go through, what my client had to go through, what the players are going to have to go through. And I mean that in a really like neutral way. Like it's this is how business gets done. And I mm-hmm. think a pod like that or content like that, I would find it interesting. Hopefully our listeners mm-hmm. will as well. I think that's how we got here. I think that's a yeah, fair assessment, right? Um, where are we going to go? I don't know. I hope that. This is a long-lasting thing. We got a potential list of great guests. Like I, I mentioned, agents and media people and athletes and entertainers and publicists. And I think you you and I have talked about this off-air. You know, I, I hope we can highlight brown and black voices in the industry that don't always get that love. I hope we can give back to the culture, right? Because I think a lot of people are benefiting off the culture, whether it's entertainment or music or sports. So... I mean, that's where I'm at. Like, I I think that's where you're at too. I also, sure. I mean, tell me what you think about this. Part of the reason why I thought we'd make a good partnership mm-hmm. is because I think we have different perspectives on this. I'm 20 years in the industry and just sports. You're X number of years in the industry, but have done both sports and entertainment slash music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you worked at the team, that's not a marketing gig. That's a ops gig, mm-hmm. right? So I've never done ops. Before. I was I'd, also on the corporate side at first, too. Right. So I had a little bit of that corporate experience. Right. I, I, so I haven't had a ton of corporate experience. That's that's also a good point of distinction. The generational gap will be a thing between us because you said ASAP Rocky. And although I know conceptually who that is, I don't think I could pick out a song. Could you pick out a face? No. I just learned what Travis Scott looked like because he did that collab with McDonald's. With McDonald's? Yeah. Oh, God. Because it was a big corporate deal. I, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I in uh, God three or four years ago, whenever All NBA All Star was in Toronto, I was with uh, a bunch of guys, some of them NBA players, and they were like, "Oh, we're going to the MVPA party," and I was like, "Cool, let's roll." So we went there and we had a table and we sat in the front, and it was a super small bar. And they were like, oh, so-and-so is performing, so-and-so is performing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And everybody's hyped about it. And it's Future that's performing. There's like 100 people there. And I'm this far away from Future, like, you know, arm's length from Future. I had no fucking clue who this guy was. And he performed for like 45 minutes. It was great. It was really entertaining. Did you and know like, any of the songs? Nope. And th- but three of the songs were like hits, and I like heard the songs after the party or recognized the songs after the party, and I'm like, all right, this guy's kind of a fucking big deal. But yeah, that's a generational gap for me. I'll tell you, like I've definitely aged out when it comes to hanging out with NBA players because it just it's all good. I'm I'm aging in, so yeah, you're aging in as we, I'm aging out. I have another story, have but I'll save median. it for I'll save it for our, one of our guests. Like I'm gonna say names. Like we're gonna get Aaron Gordon on this pod. Because I work very closely with him and uh, I, I'm going to tell him a story about when I hung out with his pops instead of him because I felt so aged out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. That's the age dif- difference between us, but which will hopefully make for a good pod. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and perspective is is imperative. So the fact that we have so many different perspectives on gender, black and brown, and age difference, which have experienced their own different stereotypes within America and within this corporate industry. You know, growing up in a millennial generation, you have a lot different perspective and different difficulties and different hurdles you have to jump over especially within this industry, especially as a woman, um, where social media is so prevalent, everyone can see you and your image. At the end of the day, conversation is the catalyst for change. And you're only able to have conversations that foster change when there's differing perspectives. So I think that our differing perspectives and who we are will hopefully bring a lot of awareness, whether we disagree or agree on things. It will be a catalyst for conversation nonetheless. But I want to ask about what drew you to basketball. Did that start young for you? For me, my background is very specific to this pod in this way. I grew up in an immigrant household. Both of my parents are from Bombay, India, or Mumbai. depends on how old you are. But I grew up in New York. And it was difficult because my parents, as immigrants from India, wanted me to get straight A's. And that's all they cared about. And I did. But I wanted to play basketball because I liked basketball. So I tried to balance both of it. My parents didn't really care much for basketball. And then basketball became such a passion. And I'm five, six on a good day. And so it was never like, I'm going to play professional basketball. It wasn't that at all. Although I was fucking good at one point. So I cared a lot about basketball. So I knew I wanted to work in basketball. At around 19, I knew I wanted to work in basketball. And that was always a friction thing between my parents and I, even when I went to law school, even when I started making six figures, even today when, you know, there's a lot of things I can point to and and Indian parents and immigrant parents really care about like money. Is it just the stigma? I mean, it's not really money because you said that you were even at when you were making six figures. I mean, it's a lot to do with like, you're not an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is it the stigma of the industry? It's not, they don't, they don't have a stigma of the industry. They have a stigma against every industry that's not doctor, lawyer, engineer. And part of that is like, they don't have to describe what I do. I always dealt with that for a long time. I'm super comfortable now. Like that's not an issue now for me introspectively. Mm -hmm. But that's also part of why, that's part of why I want to do this. Like I think talking about the industry is pretty cool and can make it a little, I don't want to say mainstream, but make it a little more known what goes on here. Because again, if you go to a party and you say, I'm a doctor, that's a pretty easy conversation, Mm -hmm. right? You go to a party and you say, well, I create content for Nike and I got to sell this program to Unilever and I'm partnering Unilever with the NBA Players Association and it's about social justice. You know, the person across from you is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, exactly. So I think that's a little bit of background on why why I'm kind of passionate about this specific topic. That's sort of how I got here. But what about you, Savannah? Like, it's kind of fucked up, this industry. How did you end up here? So my my family is Jamaican, but they migrated to Costa Rica, so they speak Patois and Spanish. So a lot of them will identify as Costa Rican, but originally we're from Jamaica. My grandmother came over um, from Costa Rica. She migrated to Brooklyn, and my grandma is a single mother of five, so she's like the boss of the family. I was born in Brooklyn. I was there until I was about like 10. And then my mom, like many other people um, in her generation, um, wanted a better life. So there was like a huge like migration at that time um, from New York City to upstate New York. 
it's funny, the community I lived in, there were people from the Bronx, there were people from all over. So it was kind of a culture shock for me. I'm the only black person in my school from probably about first grade to high school. I played basketball as kind of my outlet since I was in fourth grade. So very good. Um, got scholarships to St. John's, to Cornell. But by the time I was a senior, I was burnt out because I was playing year-round for 10 years at that point. Um, and I loved basketball. I knew I did. But also, all of five, three of me, I knew I wasn't going to make it to the WNBA. So what's the point of even playing in college? But I'm jealous. Division <laughs> Division One offers like, well, that's still gangster. That's still pretty good. Like I got I played in Ivy League school. I was like, y'all, I'm not even. I'm like, don't nah. don't drag my grades. <laughs> but again, like you, Burton, I knew that. I knew at the time I wanted to be involved in basketball. I knew I loved it. I just knew that I didn't want to play. Um, I knew I had a great business mind at the time, so I knew I had a goal, and that's essentially how I ended up at the Nets um, in my second year of college. Because I had a goal, kept my eyes set on it. But yeah, so that essentially leads me to say that when it comes to colorism, I even in high school, I found it as completely unfair. And I knew that there was always um, there was always some sort of inequality. And I felt that in my soul and from my high school, actually, I wanted to help my community. And the reason that I felt that basketball was the way because I realized that these are people that are coming from inner cities that are coming into million-dollar contracts. Um, some of them create a career of longevity. Some of them go broke. I knew that if we created more of those more of those longevity careers, like most of them do, they will go back and create better communities that they grew up in. So I found that that was my way for creating change throughout this whole black and brown dilemma. Um, do you think guys do dilemma. that? I think that's a lot. Oh, I do. Yeah. I mean, think think about I'd it. I'd love if to we, hear a story of that. If we had, if we had just maybe like five Lebrons, like going back and building schools. But we don't. How impactful? That's- we don't. But also, the resources aren't there. So also, that goes to my job that I had at the Brooklyn Nets, where I was the team off player development director. So our goal was to build these men um, off of the court as much as possible, so that their career and their money doesn't just stop at basketball. Because if you're coming from an inner city and you come into a million dollar contract, you know, you, you can't expect them to have the proper tools. And that was my job while I was at the Nets to ensure that they know what they're signing and that they're not just signing off and to ensure that they know the difference if they want to rent or buy a property. And it's all these little things that add up as to why these players go broke. But if we could just create a brand or um, a financial awareness so that they have a little bit more longevity, this could create a lot of difference within our communities and for them. I'd love to hear from brands about, you know, how they approach that. You know, I've gone through that with corporate America. Like, and then for people like us, like how, and I'll definitely speak on this with the right guests, but like how how do I balance where my moral compass lies versus like, oh, we got to get this $5 million deal done. So like, I think hearing from executives about that would be real. And and again, I'd love to amplify the right voices. So, Mm -hmm. or we love to amplify the right voices. So I think that will be a big initiative for the Black Box Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow us on all social channels at the Black Box Pod.
The show would not be possible without our team. Special thanks to our producers, Amanda Berkowitz and Katie McGuigan. Our video director, Paul Aspen. Music by Ye Ali. Designed by Lineage Digital. All photos by Jonathan Gabriel Charles. And our production house, Gotham Podcast Studio in New York City. Special shout out to Raul Hernandez. We'll see you guys next time.